You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson, and this is MyMac podcast number 257. It's a double-length episode. Why? Well, first, we've got our listener invite with Paul Carlin. He's from Glasgow, Scotland. Yep, they have Macs there. Next, David, Guy, and myself go over all the events that centered around It's Only Rock and Roll. It's that big event Apple had. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And like I said at the very beginning of the show, this is going to be, um, other than my Mac podcast number 257, it's going to be broken into two separate parts. The beginning of the podcast is our listener invite. And later in the show, we're actually going to cover the September 9th Apple event. So we don't know what's happened there yet. We're recording this part before that event actually takes place. We have the uh, usual suspects with us. We have Guy Searle. Hello. And we have David Cohen. Good evening. And we've got all the way from Glasgow, Scotland, Paul Carlin. Hey, Paul. Hey there. Nice to be on. Hey, it's great to have you on. I almost said Glasgow. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's great to have you on. We really appreciate you. I mean, it's late there, obviously. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like after midnight now, which so it's like 7 o'clock where you are? Uh, yep, um, it's 7.14 p.m. as we record the show for me. And uh, I'm even tired right now, so I can't imagine how tired you are. <laughs> yeah. But the match sticks under my eyelids to keep them open. I tell you. Now, let's start here. You have a, uh, on the Real Radio Network, you have a, I don't want to say podcast because it's more of a radio show. It's called yeah. Through the Night. Yeah, that's right. I do the uh, Through the Night show on Saturday night uh, on Real Radio. I've done that for a couple of years now. Um, and I've worked in radio for the past uh, five or six years. So how'd you get into radio? Well, it's always kind of been a passion for me. Um, I started off sort of doing it voluntarily, working for small community stations and just building up experience. Uh, then one day I just sent a demo tape into one of the uh, local commercial stations here. Um, and <laughs> for some reason they liked it and they called <laughs> me in and I started doing some shows there and uh, the rest is history, really. Huh, that's awesome. So how long and have you really been a Mac user? Well, I've been a Mac user. I've owned Macs for about maybe six years. I bought my first one about six years ago. But actually, I've been a, my sort of love affair with the Mac goes back way longer than that um, to primary school, in fact. Hmm. Um, uh, because they had um, LC475s, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, back then. And I instantly fell in love with them. You know, the old pizza box designs. And I just. Sure. I thought they were so much better than the PCs uh, at that time. Uh, Then maybe about 10 years ago or so, um, a friend in the States actually sent over, he donated one of his old Macs, um, which it was just an LC2, but it was the first Mac that I'd ever kind of used on my own as a, you know, in a home basis. Um, So that kind of got me interested in the Mac. And then with my my first radio pay packet, um, about six years ago, I bought an iMac off eBay. And uh, and dumped all my remaining PCs. You haven't looked back yet. No, not at all. And uh, <laughs> only looking forward. So let me ask you: Are you running Snow Leopard yet? I am actually. Yes, I'm running it on my uh, iMac just now, and uh, I managed to restrain myself for 24 hours. I thought, right, I'm not going to upgrade right away. I won't upgrade on the Friday, so I'll wait till the Saturday. <laughs> so I went in, so I, oh, I went that makes the all app- the difference. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I went into the Apple Store uh, here in Glasgow. 
and uh, picked up a copy of Snow Leopards. And uh, they actually, I don't know if, I guess it would be the same everywhere. They had a special Snow Leopard till, and they had a big display for Snow Leopards, so they were really trying to push it uh, when I was in. I don't know if that you noticed that in the Apple stores in the States or elsewhere. I did, and I got my copy off eBay, to be honest. Um, it was cheaper. It was 25 bucks. A guy was selling it on eBay, so I thought... I'll give a chance. If, if the guy rips me off, it's only twenty five bucks. But sure. he didn't, and it was you know I don't know how he got it cheaper than that, but yeah. he obviously did. Yeah, so but, there's some um, Apple store somewhere that didn't get their shipment in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fell off the back of the truck. That's right. Uh, it's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah did, you but, see, um, did you see that? Um, did you see that video that's been going around of the uh, the guys who cleared out the new Jer- uh, Jersey Apple store in thirty seconds? No, I yeah, didn't see I saw. That. I did see that. It's that insane. Yeah, basically, basically these, you know, you see, because, uh, uh, you know, they have video cameras inside the store. You see the security guard walking around, and all of a sudden, from the outside of the store, you see these five guys just casually walking by. And then you just see this big rock come flying through the glass door, <laughs> and they rush in, and they, they intimidated the guard in one way or another. And the guys just went all the way to the back of the store and started running forward, grabbing MacBooks and MacBook Pros on their way out. They were in and out in about 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's so, one bad case of Mac lust. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So did your copy of uh, Snow Leopard come from Jersey, Tim? Um, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> did the, My client has nothing to say at this time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, no, I don't think it did, actually, but... <laughs> I, I honestly, he, I, I don't know how he got it cheaper than, I mean, he sold it to me for $25 and then plus I spent, I think it was $2 for shipping and handling. So it, even with shipping and handling, it was cheaper than going to the Apple store. Well, I so know when I bought the five off? user pack on, uh, through Amazon that it, I got it for 43 and shipping. You get, and yeah. You got it. You got it for what? It's five bucks less yeah. for the family pack. And then it's four bucks less. For the single copy through Amazon. So it wasn't that great of a savings. Um, I don't know. The guy got it somehow. I'm not worried about it, though. <laughs> no, as long as you got it. I got it, and it updated all my Macs, and I'm still happy with it, so we'll see. Um, so are you an iPhone user, Paul? Uh, yes, I am, actually, yeah. Um, and I, I, I held out, and I'm glad I held out, actually, uh, because I had a long 18-month contract with uh, my last su- supplier, T-Mobile, and I always wanted the iPhone. And just as my contract expired, the 3GS came out, so I immediately jumped for that and uh, couldn't be happier with it because, it, for me, and I think, Guy, you said a similar thing in an earlier podcast, it had to be a convergence device for me because right. I had the 32-gig 32, 32 iPod Touch. I wanted all my music on it. I didn't want to have to carry around two devices a phone and a iPod so it's a perfect time for me and I love it. My only complaint is the battery life but I guess that's uh, a lot of people share that complaint. Apart well, there's from that, there's ways to save that. Number one turn off Wi-Fi if you're not actually going to be on a Wi-Fi network. That'll save a lot of your battery life right there. I found that if I turn off Wi-Fi I increase my battery life by probably 20%. So I guess because it's not constantly searching for networks and exactly. so on. Exactly, yep. Right. Yeah, and if uh, if you don't mind a, just a little bit of inconvenience, uh, the Mophie Juice Pack Air will about double your battery life as well. Yeah, I saw that somewhere. In fact, I, th- I don't know if it was actually you guys maybe mentioned it last week, or but I, I definitely saw that somewhere, and I thought I need to check that out because um, it's like an extra battery, isn't it? And it as soon as they yeah, it's a case and a battery. Yeah. yeah well, it, it kind of works in two ways. There's a switch on the bottom that that goes between red and green. If if it's on red, it uses 
the the iPod battery first, and then as you start to get low on that, you flip it over to green, and it mm-hmm. switches to the Mophie Juice Pack Air. Well, that just uh, actually charges the iPhone, though, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or you can leave it on green, and it uses the the Mophie's battery first, and then switches over to the uh, the iPhone when I, that's. I think with the uh, iPhone 3.0 software, and really, really soon here, 3.1, I think what we're going to start seeing is a lot more hardware devices for the iPhone that could take advantage of that dot connector. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm looking Bluetooth. forward to. Well, nah, I. I think Bluetooth is kind of a technology that was there for a while, but mm-hmm. they've crippled it so many times and so many headsets and so many. I, I just don't see Bluetooth really going too much farther, to be honest. Well, um, I use yeah. it in my car with uh, Microsoft Sync. Woohoo! Yeah. Flawless. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't say that. I just said I used it. <laughs> At least you admitted it. Yeah. yeah, but I, I just never use it myself because um, I don't even have it turned on. I can't remember. I, I actually forgot the iPhone has Bluetooth because if I need to use hands-free, you can either use a speaker or you can use the headphones that come with it, and they do the job just as well, if not better than a Bluetooth headset would. i got to say, you know, I had the original iPhone, and mm. my biggest complaint about that device was the speaker just wasn't loud enough in either speakerphone or holding it up to my ear. There was often times that I just couldn't hear people. It just wouldn't go loud enough, so I was resorting to putting on the headphones quite often for mm. important phone calls. I don't have that problem at all with the iPhone 3GS. It's The speaker's plenty loud enough. Yeah, I would agree. So I do want to mention last week uh, we announced this contest, and it's going on again, so you have still one week left to go. It's for the EcoFan Pro Mech Alley. It's a laptop stand. It's made out of bamboo, and it has built-in fans. It's or, beautiful, too. It, it looks really gorgeous. I haven't seen it in person just looking online, but uh, Artie on our website gave it a perfect 5 out of 5, so that's got to tell you something right there. It's a $40 item. We're giving away two of them, so two lucky listeners are going to have the chance to win this. To enter the contest, all you have to do is send an email to contest at mymac.com, put your name, address, and more importantly, your phone number in the subject, or I'm sorry, in the body of the email, and we're going to randomly select two people, and on next week's show... We're going to call the winners. Hopefully, we'll actually get you on the phone. I hate when we get a winner and they don't answer. Yeah, so, just a voicemail. This is a voicemail. Or yeah, just, if you, you ha- if you have a Skype name, send us that too. <clears throat> That's an idea. If you do have a Skype name and you want to uh, have us call you on Skype, send that along with it as well. So of course, you we're will going have to, to be calling be online. Yeah, that that will help. Yeah. Um, we're going to be calling you if you're the winner on September 17th. So if you get a phone call and it doesn't display a phone number. It might be us, especially if it's after 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So get those contest entries in. We'd really appreciate it. And I do want to mention another contest we're going to be doing. By the time uh, the 17th rolls around and we're announcing this winner, we're going to be having a Twitter contest. We're going to be giving away up to six 400... Uh, geez, not 400. I forget what the size is. It 300 and something. They were 320, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think it was 320 gigabyte hard drives. We're going to give six of those away over a two-month period. Um, so follow me on Twitter. Just It's twitter.com slash mymac. Follow me there and look for the announcement and how to enter the contest. I don't have to send them out. I'm not paying for them, so I'm, I'm ready to give them away. <laughs> it's no cost to us. That's right. <laughs> it's no cost to me. Perfect. So I, I love giving stuff away. I really do. Uh, and the funny thing is, so many of the staff members right now at MyMac, I mean, there's at least three or four of them, 
came yeah, who to were us. Prior contest winners. Yeah, they were contest winners, and I talked to them on the phone, and one thing led to another, and they became part of the staff. It's funny how that works. Um, and the last thing I want to do before we get back to uh, Paul. Hello, it's still here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's still here. Paul, hey, how you doing, Paul? Yeah. Listener invite means listener sit there and listen. Um, yes. <laughs> Enjoying you so far. Yeah. Uh, we are looking at expanding the offerings of podcasts at MyMac.com. Sam Levin has a podcast called uh, Cool Picks. If you go to MyMac.com, there's a banner for it on the right-hand side. It's called Sam's Cool Picks. Very short podcast, two, three minutes each episode. So make sure you subscribe to that. Sam's going to talk about all kinds of tech stuff, uh, initially focusing on iPhone apps because he's really in love with the apps on the iPhone, as are we all. Um, well, I don't want to speak for Paul. You love the, the third-party I apps? I adore them, yes. Yes, I think everybody does. I mean, mm. it's just so great. And and I actually want to talk about iPhone apps here for a second when uh, I get done wrapping this up. But if you're a inspi- aspiring podcaster... You have a good idea. And you have a good idea. I don't even care about the good idea. It could be a bad idea. <laughs> no, if you, well, we if, never have any If you've ever thought about getting into podcasting, but it seems daunting, uh, what I'm trying to do is produce shows. In other words, all you have to do is, if you're thinking about doing a podcast, is record the show and send me the audio file. Everything else is going to be taken care of, including you know, posting it online, getting it in iTunes, and advertising the show here on the MyMac Podcast. We're looking at building a family of shows, not all covering the same thing, obviously. If you want to do a Mac show, give me an idea for a Mac show that we're not already doing, and uh, we'd be happy to produce it. I mean, sure. obviously, if, if you suck, we won't. <laughs> 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 you know, if, if you get on and all you do is stuff, you can't be worse than I am, though. I'll just say that. You can't be any worse than me. So the so, bar is set really, really, low, really low. Yeah. <laughs> if you could do it at least as well as I can, you're golden. And almost anybody can do it as well as I can, trust me. Um, but, you know, send feedback to feedback at mymac.com if you're interested in being on a podcast. So there is that. And last but not least, we're looking for new people to have on the MyMac podcast as part of the listener invite. We are booking into December. We already do have a couple January dates filled, and those are bring back. In other words, people that we've already had on for the listener invite, we're bringing them back once more to uh, get caught back up with them. So if you do get on the listener invite, are you listening, Paul? Yes, I am. We may have you back again. Uh, It's a way for us to make new friends, you know. Yeah. This is a global podcast. People are listening all over the world. And a lot of people don't have anyone close by that they can share their passion with, talk about the Mac and iPhone or iPod or whatever. And this gives you an opportunity to get on, talk to some other fanatics just like you, share your passion. And uh, if it's fun, if you're great, we'll have you back on. We've got Jim Felder. He was the very first one. Remember, guys? Oh, yeah. We're having him back in uh, January, on January 21st. And Gaz Maz, who we just had on a couple weeks ago, he's coming back in February. He so was great. Enjoyed him. I really liked Gaz too. In fact, we're he's one of the people I'm actually um, actively courting about doing a podcast because I think he contributes to a couple other podcasts out there. But I would like to see one of his own. I think he would be really, really good at it. He's so, a great voice. I could listen to that voice all day. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. And so uh, we're going to have him back in February. So if you would like to be on the podcast, just send us an email: feedback at mymac.com, and we'll get you on the show. Seriously. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun when people come on. And, Paul, I appreciate you coming on today, man. 
Yeah, no, it's quite surreal actually, um, because I've been listening. Uh oh, we lost Paul. Oh, Paul, come problem. back! Right, right when he's going to say something. That's a great idea. Oh, there, you're back, yeah. Paul. We lost you for a second. I'm back. You're back. Oh yes, I'm back now. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, um, I've been listening to the show for, I guess, about three years now, and it's quite surreal to actually be contributing to it as well. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, we were doing an interview with, uh, it was an iPhone app. I can't remember what it was. But he had been listening to the show for years and years as well. And then I asked him a question. He was silent for a minute. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so used to <laughs> listening to you guys. I can actually talk yeah. back. <laughs> so, no, I, I love having people on the show. It's just a lot of fun. And it is there anybody around you, Paul, that kind of shares your passion that you can talk to about this stuff? Well, it's funny. I am noticing uh, more people are getting into the Mac now. Uh, one of my colleagues at work recently, he had a Sony Vio, one of the netbooks that right. they do. Um, he recently swapped that for a MacBook Air, and hmm. he's never looked back. So that, that's, was actually, his, that's his first Mac was a MacBook Air? That was his first Mac, yeah. Uh, and um, the and we talk about the iPod Halo effect certainly a few years ago. It was actually the iPhone for him. He got the iPhone first, fell in love with it, and I said, well, if you like that, you're going to love a full-blown Mac. So he decided to jump on the uh, MacBook Air bandwagon. So is he asking you a lot of questions? Yeah, he's he's always over at me with it. He's always asking me how do I do this, how do I do that. But I'm delighted to help. It's you know it's part of. My, I'm so passionate about the Mac that it's always nice to be able to help other people out with it. What's sure, your favorite? a lot of Mac users are like that. You know that is true. A lot of Mac users tend to become the family tech support person. Yeah. You know the uncle. And we actually enjoy it as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun, especially when you can introduce a family member to something that will really benefit them. I just went over to uh, an uncle's house of mine. And I updated his uh, iPhoto to the newer version. And I was introducing him to the whole concept of faces. And he just fell in love with it. Because his biggest problem with all the pictures, because they went photo nuts. They got a digital camera at the same time they got their first Mac. So they were just populating uh, iPhoto like crazy. But keeping track of all those photos was really becoming an issue for them. So I showed them faces, and they just fell in love with it. They just they become tagging maniacs. I mean, they're tagging every face they can find, <laughs> and um, it, it's great when you can introduce someone, a loved one, to some new technology that makes their life easier. And not only that, yeah. every every family member you can get using a Mac is means fewer support calls for you. Oh yes, I well yeah. I've told yeah. I've told relatives. That if they buy a PC, because they'll call me first, I'm thinking about getting a new computer. And I tell them right off the bat, you know, I don't care what you get if it's a PC, just don't call me for any help. Because I'm not going to work <laughs> on There's a reason I bought a Mac. And if I wanted to do tech support for the PC, you know, I would buy a PC myself. Buy a Macintosh. Well, there's a couple games. Well, if Expl- that's the case, there's this thing called Boot Camp that's built right in. <laughs> All you have to do is buy a... Well, not for games. For games, I always suggest well, Boot Camp. It depends on the game, I guess. Um, buy a copy of Windows, and you can install it on your Mac and run those games perfectly. So, you know. The, oh, I, I just I'm remembered a- something. Speaking about games, and we're talking about Snow Leopard. I have the hmm. uh, Xbox controller. It does not work under Snow Leopard. Oh, crap. I know. Oh. I found that out the wrong the the hard way. So hopefully the guy who made the drivers for it, it's just freeware drivers. I'm hoping that he'll update them. I need to send him an email soon because I can't play some of my games with my Xbox controller under Snow Leopard. Ah, what am I gonna do? 
And that was, a, you remember last week's show, I was talking about my review of Burger Time? Yes. That was mm. the other thing that I Is couldn't that one do. of them? Well, Burger Time doesn't support controllers. It was either mouse or keyboard control. And I thought, you know, I've got a game controller. Why can't I use the game controller for Burger Time? Mm. Yeah, that's a fail right there. Come on. At least yeah. give me the option of using a controller. But it didn't. So that was one of the reasons I marked it a three out of five. Okay, I ran I out of juice. I must say, Oh, Paul. Oh, Paul's here. Yes, I'm still, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, in terms of Snow Leopard, I was kind of apprehensive at first because I read there was a lot of problems with printer drivers. Yeah, I had um, But actually, I installed it without, without even thinking, and it was fine. And knock on wood, there's been no problems so far with um, drivers or even software. It's all just worked perfectly. Yeah. Now, have, you, to, ran in, have you run into any, uh, any older apps that required Rosetta? Yes, actually, because um, I'm still in Office 2004, I think it is. Um, yeah. And uh, when I first opened it, it ran, it installed Rosetta. But bizarrely, I found it actually runs better. Rosetta apps seem to run better under Snow Leopard than they did under 10.5. It just seems a little bit snappier. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And my my opinion, and I think Tim shares this, is you're better off sticking with Office 2004 rather than Office 2008. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And funnily and enough, Office, Office 2008 is... It doesn't need Rosetta except for the installer, which does. So yeah, go if you, if you, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> lazy Microsoft. programming. That's laziness <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I with? noticed though about a lot of people are talking about the 64-bit kernel, and that's not really an issue because the apps can still run 64-bit anyway, even if you're in 32-bit kernel. But I'm just wondering, you know, when 10.7 rolls round, are we going to reach a point where it'll only run on Core 2 dual processors? It'll only run on 64-bit. Um, architecture. I, I think that will probably happen. I don't, I don't think it'll, it'll be, be 10.7, though. No, I was going to say, whether it'll be as close as 10.7 or not. It depends how quickly they, they roll that next version out, but uh, I think that will eventually happen. Uh, well, I, I think 10.6 is... We're going we're to be with 10.6, I'm guessing, for at least two years. I'm saying 18 months. Yeah. I think that's... Well, let's talk about that for a minute. When do you expect 10 point? I mean, we just got 10.6 and listen to us. Oh, are we going to get 10.7? But when I'm looking forward to 10.9. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. That's going to be the big one there. Yeah. Did they go from 10.9 to 11? 11. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is it Mac OS 11 at that point? Hmm. I don't know. I guess they could go all the way up to 10.99 if they wanted to. But. They did They did 10.4.11, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see. I, I, I heard, I heard um, Andy Notka said something last week uh, on MacBreak Weekly, and, and he said we, he wondered whether sort of by the time we get to ten point seven or maybe ten point eight, actually won't be OS ten anymore, and they'll change it to something else, mm. you know, and that will become really radical based on this sort of under. Well, if you look at Apple's history, the original Mac OS went about ten years. And when yeah. that finally gave up the ghost, they came out with the PowerPC architecture. And that ran for, guess what, about 10 years. About 10 years. And then Mac OS X came out. And now that, I don't know if they're going to count the beta, which came out in 2000, because I, I actually used that beta. I was in the audience for uh, Steve Jobs' keynote at Macworld Expo when he first introduced um, Mac OS X, Mac OS X. And it was amazing to see, and it scared the crap out of me because I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and I was terrified of Unix. Um, now, of course, it, I'm, and I'm an old pro at it. But we are coming up on 10 years. That was 1999 yeah. 
when he did that keynote. So here we are coming up on 2010, which... Yeah, close to the 10-year anniversary. Yeah, 10-year anniversary. Is it time to migrate to something else? Let's start with you, David. Well, whether it's time or not, I mean, you, you look at the system now, and it's really becoming as probably as optimized as, as most of us can imagine it, it it being. It's hard to see what else they could put in there that could make it radically different than, than the way it works today. And and I don't think Apple is, is the sort of company that's in the game of saying, well, we're just going to slap 100 new features on it and say, there it is, there's there's the next version. Uh, features for the sake of features. I think they always try to, to do things to improve the user experience. And so it seems to me there is a possibility with this new architecture. When you have, have the, the system basically allowing the programmer to decide to decide, well, here's a job that I want doing, and uh, you, you, the system, can decide where it needs to go and who's, which part the system's going to do it, and then just let me know when the result is finished. Um, to me, that, that actually says, well, you could build a system which doesn't really work anything like a conventional operating system with a, you know, a file system at the, at the bottom and then everything built up on top of that. You could actually build something that looks very, very different and something very much more internet-based and cloud-based and just does local processing when you need it and then everything else goes off somewhere else. I could imagine I could imagine seeing something like that. I don't, I, don't, I would, would have thought that would look quite radical. What do you think, Paul? I think um, I'm quite sceptical about the cloud personally, um, although, you know, give it five or ten years and technology will probably progress to such an extent that it, it will be feasible. Um, I can't see Apple really going for that. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if we eventually see, I mean, certainly in terms of the way it looks, in terms of the user interface, if it becomes more and more converged with what the iPhone um, looks like, if we get more of a sort of marrying up of the interface elements of that, um, because obviously that's uh, attracting, I think, a lot of new people to uh, to Apple, and it's making people consider Macs again. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the next revision we see maybe more um, of, of an iPhone-type feel about the, the OS, and certainly if the tablet if this rumoured tablet actually happens. Um, and I, I'm in two minds about that one. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Um, I think, you know, we could see more um, more sort of more sort of touch-based things. And we might even see Macs that are that, ha- that incorporate that. Maybe even the MacBooks would have a, a touch screen as well. Could be. I don't know if I would really want to be touching my screen all the time, but I do with my iPhone all the time, and I love that mm. device. What do you think, Guy? Uh, I have a tendency to agree with Paul. I, I think that, that OS X... Is is pretty much at its pinnacle. You better say for, OS ten because okay, yeah, I, I know get we, hate we've got when you say yeah, X. Okay, OS ten. <laughs> OS ten is kind of at its pinnacle of, of as far as a feature set goes. Other than other than a radical rewrite of 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 what it is, you know what else what else can they kind of add to it? Uh, I I think that Paul is pretty much right on that that we're going to start seeing simpler interfaces that do more and anticipate more of, of what it is we're trying to do. And mm. based on, based on, you know, what it sees we've done in the past it is already a step ahead of us. And, you know, Apple has, has always been really, really good for, for the most part of presenting a user interface that allows you to not worry about what the computer is doing as compared to what it is you want to do with the computer. Well, I think yeah. that, number one, we say, well, what more could they do? I, I think the problem there is we're just not, we're not programmers, yeah? We're, no. we're users. Yeah. 
and we never know what we want. I know a lot of people Until say, I wish it. Apple would just listen to its users. I don't want Apple to listen to the users, because if we did, our computers would still mess. look like Mac OS 9. <laughs> um, Apple, I, the people that they employ for the OS design and how we interact with the computer are much more intelligent than I am. I'll give them credit there. Because they will introduce a new feature that I can't live without and that I didn't know that I needed until they gave it to me. And I think that's one of the strengths of the Apple brand. Um, the iPhone is so much better than I would have thought it could be just four years ago. <clears throat> because it was four years ago that we were talking about, even on this podcast, how could Apple incorporate a cell phone into the iPod? And would it be a good idea? Yeah, what, what could they bring? And my thoughts then, compared to what the finished device was when it was first launched, and especially what it is now is years apart. I mean, it's so much better than I would have thought it could be. But I really shouldn't have been surprised because, let's be honest, it is Apple. And they are the masters of giving us exactly what we want when we didn't even know we wanted it. So when we talk about the next major version of the Mac OS and really how much better could it be and how many new features can they plug in, I think we sell ourselves short in that or we sell Apple short. Or we sell Apple short because there's plans at Apple for what the, the our computers are going to look like and act like two or three years down the road. And I think for the most part, we can't imagine what that's going to be yet, but we're going to love it. Sure. I mean, I agree completely, Tim, actually. And as I t touched there on the tablets, um, I'm very skeptical about the whole tablet thing. Um, and I, you know, obviously, tablets have never really been a commercial success up till now. But I just know if it does happen, I'll want it instantly because Apple will do something. Their design technique on it will just be they'll do something with it that will make it desirable and you'll want it instantly. You know, it was really big in 1999, this little thing called uh, MP3s. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, there were some file sharing services out there like Napster. Oh and yes, Nutella. Was, yeah, everybody was going nuts downloading MP3s. But yet, for some reason, the MP3 market didn't do very well. Mm. And uh, we all know how that turned out. So if Apple gets into the tablet market, I don't think it'll be called a tablet. We won't even no. think about it as a tablet. And it'll be something so great that we just want it. We want to touch it. And it will definitely have Apple's fingerprints all over it. Definitely. You know? And I think um, they need to... The, the main strength, because the tablet just now is very much a business thing, I think. Well, if Apple want to make this a success, they'll need to go for the entertainment sector yeah, fully. The, the you know, something they can sync with iTunes. Yep, yeah. Yep. And that's, that's you know, a lot of people say, oh, is it going to be for the medical community? No, Apple doesn't... That's not Apple's market. No. Apple is a consumer-focused... Apple is what Sony was in the 70s and 80s. Let's be honest. That's what Apple is now. Yeah, that's true. And um, and Sony's still the Sony, too. Did you see that the Walkman actually is passing the iPhone? and the uh, yeah, Not the, the iPhone, in, but the, the, I, uh, the iPod in Japan in sales. That's in Japan. That's Japan's not, not really a market you can compare with anywhere else in the world. No. I mean, even in video games, uh, the American products usually don't do as well as the Japanese. Yeah. They're very into their own thing and that's fine but i still think it's i find it interesting that the sony walkman is selling really well in japan so yep. I, you can't is you that, can't discount uh, what they're doing 
Is that a retro thing with them? Is that maybe the or just the brand name that people still? No, it's the brand name. It, 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 I mean, it's... I well, I don't think it's it's even just the brand name. It's just the, the Japanese will go crazy for uh, a certain feature set. You know, it will kind of spread through their culture a bit like an internet meme, and they'll kind of go mad for it. And uh, they get very passionate about these sort of things. So all that needs to happen is a particular device needs to catch a particular wave in Japan and everyone will want one and then the, the sales will spike. And, and it's the same with their games and you know various other products that they make as well. They, they kind of get crazy for certain things at certain times. I think that that's kind of true with the American market as well, though. Not as yep. much of technology, because we're so big here in the States. But you still see that. I mean, when the iPhone really hit it big, and I'd say probably 2005, everybody was buying an, iP- or an iPod. There, you couldn't find an MP3 player on anyone's hip that wasn't an iPod. Mm. You know, those white earbuds were everywhere. everywhere. I mean, yep. remember the news stories in 2005, 2006. People were getting robbed because crooks would see the white earbuds. They knew it was an iPod. And they were clubbing them over the head and taking them. Oh, wait, that was London, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was happening in New York and out on the West yeah, Coast. Yeah, I know. As well. I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just poking at David there. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the, uh, speaking of the ubiquity there of the uh, iPod and certainly the iPhone now is, um, I'm seeing it everywhere here in Glasgow, and I'm sure it's the case with you, David, as well. I mean, it's certainly hit the UK in a big way, um, and to such an extent actually that O2, uh, the network that carries, they've got the exclusive contract here uh, for the iPhone. They've actually, I've noticed the last couple of days, the service, the data service has been going down constantly and it's become quite a point of contention actually for a lot of UK iPhone users. I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, David, if you've got uh, an I have actually. It's been down probably two, three times in the last uh, three, four weeks um, for quite a substantial period of time and it's clear that whatever's issues that AT&T in the States are having O2 are having the same things here yeah. and it it absolutely is the 3GS has really has been a tipping point certainly in the UK for the iPhone um, it was popular here before but when the 3GS came out it has gone kind of mad and you just see them everywhere do you think that's because the cell phone carriers themselves have never experienced anything like this before that they don't have any experience on that big of a demand for bandwidth I guess I think, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, my company do, has done some work in deploying 3G networks for the cell carriers, so I know some of the calculations that are made in going into where they put towers and and particularly, and most importantly, actually, how they connect networks up to the towers so they, to create the backbone that the towers talk to. And that's really where, where things are starting to fall down. Plus as well, you know, if the, if the tower density is too low and you have too many devices in a particular area, then that that cell is going to get saturated for data and, and people are going to start having problems. But when you look at historically what the what the cell phone carriers were dealing with, it was, you know, the a, a typical cell phone and if they were accessing the internet it was at that really crappy little browser. You know Absolutely. they weren't ready these, for this. They really weren't yeah, these these networks were designed seven eight years ago, and they just weren't they weren't ever expecting people to be using full web browsers on uh, on these devices. Plus, as well, I mean, it's it's a particular particularly popular here in the UK. I don't know how it's in the states, but these um, little wireless mobile broadband dongles that give you three G to connect to your computer have become incredibly popular here. Not here so much yet. I, I think yeah. we're probably a year away from that, but. 
you know, you, you keep hearing everyone say, I can't wait for Verizon here in the States to get it because their network is so much better. But even Verizon, I don't think they're ready for an influx of 5 million data-hungry iPhone, iPhone users. I yeah. don't think anybody can be. I no. mean, it's just one of those things that they just haven't experienced that. And there's really nothing in their history that can prepare them for that. So in that regard, I, I try to give them a little bit of a, a leeway. But you know what? It, it is almost 2010. You need to start putting some more towers up. I know you can't do that overnight. I know you have to find locations and you have to lease the land and you have to build a darn thing. And then you got to get it up and running. But nonetheless, you the carriers out there have got to start doing that. And not just for the iPhone users out there, but we're really starting to go mobile broadband all over the place. Not just yeah. the States, not just the UK, but yeah. everywhere. I mean, that's how they access the Internet in some third world countries. It's mobile broadband. Mm. And they really need to start putting some effort into yeah, put, it. Well, st- start putting some more money into the infrastructure, into the ugly part of the business, the towers. We need more towers. And, yes, they're not as attractive to look at, but you know what? We need them. Get to building them. I think, yep. unfortunately, what you'll probably find is the, the bulk of the carrier's investments now will not be on current technology. That's they're, right. They're, they're already looking at, at, at 3.5G, 4G um, solutions and building those networks out because actually building new networks is a lot more expensive than upgrading existing ones. And so most of their money will be going on planning for that. Um, and they will only be doing incremental upgrades to their existing networks because the, 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 unfortunately, the brutal business fact of it is, is that most people most of the time uh, have some sort of service and will continue to pay the fee. And if it's a if it's a lousy service, then provided they don't leave and go somewhere else, then the carrier says, "Well, that's a job well done." Well, you know, I, there was a, a a move from analog cell phones to digital cell phones, maybe ten years ago. I don't even think it was that long ago. And I remember getting a a letter and then a phone call shortly thereafter from Altel, who was my cell phone carrier at the time, because I had one of the older cell phones and I loved it. It got I could hear everybody great. The phone was rock solid. It was a, a beautiful thing. But they basically told me, you have to stop using that cell phone. We'll give you another cell phone for free, but you're on analog. It's going to be turned off. So they've gone through that before. The, the nice thing with the 4G and all that is a lot of that, David, is backwards compatible. Yeah. You know, so they could build yeah, the phone, a new network and just... Yeah, but the, yeah, but the phone the phone's... The phones aren't. I mean, the phones need new radios. Um, I, I, I just the 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 profile of those networks will be different than what we have today, and um, I don't know how well they'll support three G devices. But the nature of it is, particularly when you've got carrier lock in, when you've got a device like the iPhone that's locked to a particular carrier, does that? No, we lost David. It's that pipe between the U.S. and uh, the U.K. guy. So until yeah. that, until that changes, you're not going to get the real competition <laughs> in the marketplace that actually drives them to focus more on service delivery, unfortunately. Before we wrap this segment, because this is going to be um, uh, a to-be-continued podcast for uh, Guy and David and myself, um, I did want to talk about some apps on the iPhone. So pull out your iPhones, guys. Look at the apps. Figure out which ones you've been using a lot lately and you like to talk about. I'll give it a start here. I've been using one called, uh, I'm going to launch it right now because I cannot remember the, the entire proper name. 
Oh, there's the game loft. I thought I had the uh, audio turned down. I guess I didn't. If you turn it down. Okay, it's completely <laughs> ignoring the fact that I've got the volume turned off on the iPhone. Um, the name of the game, if it gets rid of the little splash screen anytime soon, it's Gangstar West Coast Hustle. I, okay. I call it Baby GTA. <laughs> it's it's a, it's it's a fully rendered 3D. You see your little guy. You could control him. You know, walking and running and shooting. You can hijack cars. Um, it's very crass. It's full of very bad language that you don't want little kids to hear. Uh, there's not a whole lot of spoken dialogue. Most of it's. I mean, there's a storyline, but it's so weak to be paper thin. But it's like Grand Theft Auto 3, if you will, but on the iPhone. Mm. And it actually works really, really well. I'm kind of surprised. I love GTA 3 and Vice City and all those games. So to be able to play a game like that on my iPhone, I didn't think it would work, but it actually does. And i I got to give Gameloft a compliment here. And I know I've ragged on them in the past because a lot of their games simply crash all the time on my iPhone. This one one's great, and it's a lot of fun to play. I can set the music up to play my iPod library so I don't have to listen to the crappy music they supply in the game. And I have a lot of fun with it. And I think it was like um, $9.99 or maybe less. I think it was like $5.99. It wasn't an expensive game. So that's the one I've been playing a lot. I, I really enjoy it. Paul? Uh, yeah, actually, I've got two apps um, that I really enjoy at the moment. Um, I'll start with a game. It's uh, Need for Speed Undergrounds. Um, it's been out for a while, uh, but I've just discovered it. And I've always loved the Need for Speed games um, on consoles and so on. And I've got got it for the Mac as well, Need for Speed Carbon. Uh, but the iPhone version is the best yet. I mean, the graphics are fantastic. Uh, it plays really well in the 3GS. And the accelerometer, the steering, it's the most intuitive steering controls I've ever experienced in a racing game. It's just it's like steering an actual car. It's really good. I've avoided the racing game since the, I, the uh, App Store first came out because I bought a lot of them initially, and it was... It's like steering through mud, or you just barely move it and you're into the wall. So this one's really good. Yeah, it was really smooth on the 3GS. I don't know how it would be on other phones, but certainly on the... I think the faster processor on the 3GS really helps it out. Um, so I've been playing that quite a lot. There's also another app that I really enjoy, and um, because I, I work in radio, I like to consume a lot of radio as well. Uh, it's an app called Wonder Radio. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know that one. It's uh, You can listen to basically any radio station anywhere in the world. If they stream, you can pretty much get them on this app. Uh, thousands of stations on there from all over the world. You can you can actually browse either via country or via format. So if you like a, a specific type of music, or if you like speech or NPR or whatever you like, what's you it can called again? Choose by category. It's called Wunder Radio. Uh, Wunder, as in the German word radio. Oh, okay. And so it's uh, it's really good, and I think it's only like. Um, couple of pounds, couple of dollars at the very most, so it's well worth it. And um, the only thing is, though, I think I'm probably single-handedly responsible for bringing down the 3G network here because I use it all the time and I'm always <laughs> streaming. With it, so that's the only thing. Yeah, I know how that is. Guy. Yeah, there was a, a, a game quite some time ago that was available on the Sega Systems and, and some of the other ones called Urban Strike, which was a, a helicopter game. Kind of semi-3D, you, you would take the helicopter, you'd go around and try to rescue POWs and blow yeah. things up. And, you know, uh, there, was, there's, there, was a whole set, there was a whole set of games. So there was Desert Strike, Jungle Strike. Yeah, Desert Strike, Strike and yeah. Urban Strike. Yeah, and they were all pretty good. Well, there's one on the iPhone called Crazy Choppers by Butant.com. It's a 2 app. 
that's very, very similar where you've got, you've got a damage meter and you've got a fuel meter and you have, you know, people are trying to kill you and you, you have you know, boxes to pick up and POWs to get. And uh, it, it's very, very much like the old Strike games. And I've, I've been using that quite a bit and really enjoying it. And David? Um, I've been playing a game recently that uh, has some problems, but it's still a lot of fun. It's called Archangel Face of the Galactic Commonwealth. Well, that's a name. Yeah, um, well, um, <laughs> try fitting that onto your icon. Exactly. Effectively, what this is is this is this is somebody's fantasy go at a Star Trek game. Huh. Um, it's very clearly inspired by Star Trek, even though they've been scrupulously trying to avoid um, breaking any copyrights by using any terms that might have Paramount come after them. But effectively, this is a, a, a Star Trek simulator. Um, so you have, a, you have a starship that you, you fly around in, and um, it's like the old Star Trek games, you know, back in the old text days when you used to have... Um, you know, kind of a grid of a grid of of a, of a galaxy, and you could move the ship around, and then you would fire phasers and, and photon torpedoes at ships on a turn by turn basis. This is kind of like a modern twist on that, but it's very well done. It's you know the 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 guys really put an awful lot of effort into into making it a seamless experience. The gameplay itself is is quite challenging, so it can be quite frustrating to play. But it's only ninety nine cents, and if you're a Star Trek fan, it's definitely worth having a look at. I am a Star Trek fan. That's something that I'm definitely interested in. There's going to be a lot more games coming out. I I don't know. Is it just me, or does it seem like the iPhone platform is really becoming a gaming platform more than anything else? Yeah, yeah, I I think it's actually... Everybody said, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Love it. But I think it... Yeah, if I was Nintendo, I mean, for example, I'd be worried because it really is so far ahead of the DS, and even the PSP, I mean, it's, it's actually... It's very credible as a gaming platform in and of itself. Yeah, I agree. I I can't tell you the last time I bought a even thought about buying a game for my PSP or my DS. I mean, my daughter still plays with the DS. She's six and she's playing the Ten Dogs. But you know, as soon as someone comes out with a game that's very similar to that, as intuitive as that on the iPhone, I'll probably be able to put the DS away forever. I mean, it, it's just too easy to buy games on the iPhone, and there's too many. Yeah both pick up and quickly play and pick up and play for hours and hours. Everything we've just talked about, I've just gone and bought them all. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, if uh, if you don't mind, David, send me a link to all of them, and I will actually put them in the show notes so our listeners can find them a lot more easily than rewinding the show and trying to write down the name real quick on the dust on their dashboard. <laughs> just go to uh, mymac.com, look for uh, show 257, and I'll have the the links right there. I appreciate that, David. No problem. So we're going to wrap up this segment of the podcast because uh, we have to make room for whatever happens on September 9th. Of course, that hasn't happened yet. So, you know, everybody listening to the show already knows, and they're going to hear our reaction to it in about two minutes. <laughs> I'm planning for the future. Paul, I want to thank you for being on this week. We really do appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the pleasure was ours. Guy and David, I... Uh, as always, thanks for being here. Oh, uh, just love it. We uh, would really like it if you guys send us feedback. Feedback at mymac.com. And don't forget, enter the contest for the EcoFan Pro Bamboo Cooling Station. Send it to contest at mymac.com. And be sure to check out our sponsor, Otherworld Computing. They've got oh, some yeah. great, great products out there. And uh, 
MacSales.com. MacSales.com, or just go to my Mac and click the banner right at the top of the page. So we will be back here in just a few minutes. And we're back, and of course, for those listening to the podcast, it seems like it's been about, oh, 30 seconds, but for us, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a been week. A week. <laughs> so uh, when we last left off, guys, we were talking about not knowing what's coming up for the Apple event. It's only rock and roll. It has happened now, and uh, we've got some new products to talk about, but before we get into that, I wanted to quickly touch base with uh, David about an iPhone problem, because... I think this is an important story people should hear. Yes, this was. Um, this is unfortunately not good news for me, but it is important that, that people are aware of this. I have a problem with my iPhone 3GS that I got. I bought when it was released a couple of months back. That it's developed a dead pixel, um, and uh, I noticed it about a week ago. And um, you know, it looks like a fleck of dirt on the screen because obviously there's a area of the screen that just doesn't work just one or two pixels but it's it's noticeable and you know the more i saw it the more i thought you know what i'm not going to put up with this paid a lot of money for this phone and you know i'm going to take it down to apple and see if i can talk them into changing it out for me so uh, i took it down to the apple store uh, showed it to a genius there and he saw it straight away and agreed with me that you know needed fixing he says, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. We can either replace the screen or we can, uh, we can maybe swap the phone out. But then he picked up this little um, eyeglass thing and started looking into the headphone jack and the dock connector. And then he said to me, he said, well, unfortunately, um, you've had water in this phone um, in the dock connector area. And so uh, we can't repair water damaged phones. The warranty is now void. Oh. And I'm kind of, what, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. You know, I... I you know, I've not never dropped this phone in water. It's never been near water. I, you know, Dave, I, I like, told you not to go deep sea diving with your exactly. phone. Exactly. You know, it's like I treat it like a baby. What the hell are you talking about? It's got water. Anyway, showed it to me, and sure enough, there's these inside the dock connector and the, the headphone jack. There's these these little white um, kind of kind of like chem, uh, chemical in, infused card projections. Um, and if these things get wet, they turn either pink or dark red. Uh, and sure enough, the dot, dot connector was fully red, so the, there has definitely been water intruding into the dot connector. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he he was fairly nice about it, but, you know, it was very, very clear that Apple's absolute firm policy is they will not honor warranty on phones that have been exposed to moisture. And um, we were kind of, like, trying to figure out how this might have happened, and I, I suddenly realized that, the, you know, I'd, I've applied... Um, you know, looking at the phone, I have a an invisible a Zag Invisible Shield on the phone, which is this 3M plastic uh, application you can put onto the phone. the The stuff is really tough. You know, you see the demos on their website and everything. You can know you can kind of scratch it with keys and nails and everything, and it won't show a mark. Um, and I've always put this on my iPhones for every one I've ever had because it allows you to carry the phone without having it in a case, and yet it won't get scratched up. It's fantastic stuff. But to apply it, Invisible Shield actually sends it to you in a box with a little um, squeegee bottle of uh, soap solution, uh... and you have to spray the stuff with this with this soap solution, and then apply it to the phone, and the stuff allows you to slide the stuff around and get it exactly where it's meant to be. And, you know, thinking about it, obviously I must have, while I've been doing that, there must have been water, because after you've put the stuff on, you kind of have to squeegee the water out from underneath. Uh, and while I'm doing that, obviously water has got in my dock connector and has invalidated my warranty. 
So I'm kind of up a gum tree, really, with that. Um, Apple will give me a replacement phone, but they'll charge me £139 for that, which is obviously less than going out buying a new one, but still not an insubstantial amount of money. And probably not worth it for just a couple dead pixels. Well, you know, the problem is I have no warranty on the phone now at yeah. all. So <laughs> I can pay the £139 to get myself back in warranty, Um or I can kind of, you know, try and wing it with a phone. So, uh, so I really need to take a judgment on what I'm going to do with that. Or you can maybe ask some company whose product invalidated your warranty without warning you ahead of time that that could happen and get them yeah. to pay it. Well, I have, I have contacted Zag, who make the Invisible Shield, and um, apprised them of the situation. Now, their warranty is fairly clear that their warranty only covers their product, not what it's attached to. Um and uh, their instructions did not say, did not make any specific, I mean, this is a specific product modelled for the 3G and the 3GS. It's got special cutouts so it fits that phone. And their instructions did not say, um, be, you know, be careful that you don't get water into the ports because you'll invalidate your warranty. Their instructions do say, don't spray the app application solution onto your device, spray it onto our products, and then apply that to the device, which is exactly what I did. But uh, obviously that wasn't quite good enough. So I've let them know, and um, they've asked for some follow-up documentation to kind of, you know, show what the problem is. And, and so I'll, I'll keep you informed as to what happens. But uh, Make sure you I'm, inform them that we're also going to keep the listeners of the podcast informed on what happens, as well as the readers at MyMac.com, because... Do you smell that? I smell an editorial coming. Okay. Hmm. I will, I will certainly make it, sure. It really they're... ticks me off, I'll be honest with you. It, yeah. When a company, if they try to weasel out of any responsibility, no. There will be an editorial, if I have to write it myself. Because we, yeah. if you have a product and you're telling people to apply this with water, knowing darn well that the product itself that it's going on will be invalidated of their warranty if they get it wet, that's a problem. Yeah, and, and actually the um, during this conversation in, in the Apple Store, another of the geniuses came over and we, you know, I kind of told him in the hope that he might say, oh, you know what, let's just, let's not worry about it. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. And he actually said to me, he said, we would not sell a product like that in the Apple Store because we would never sell anything that involved getting the, the phones wet. So uh, you know they were they were pretty clear about about Apple's stance on this and and apparently you know obviously I went home and, and did some some more research on this and um, apparently Apple is very very firm about um, not honouring warranty on any any of their products that get wet and all of their iPods have these indicators either in, built into the body or actually inside the device so that when they crack it open they can see whether it's been exposed to water. Yeah, most cell phones have that now. Yeah, um, and. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. But I, you know, certainly the first thing I want to do is is let our listeners be aware of this. And and if you're thinking about buying a product like this, as uh, invisible, the Zag Invisible Shield is not the only one. Um, you know, if do you they are, all kind of apply the same way. No, I no, had an so Invisible Shield on my first generation iPhone that you didn't get wet at all. You just right. it just stuck right to the screen. Yeah, I, I, this one kind of goes on the back as well, so so that's why it makes it more complicated. It certainly is very difficult to apply something like this to the whole phone without using water because you, you, if you get it wrong, then you've got to take it off and put it back on, and that involves that might involve getting fingerprints or dirt on it. So so it is a challenge 
So if you're thinking about using one of these products, and I, I've been a fan of them in the past, I've got to be honest, um, you certainly want to have a long, hard think about the application process and the implications for your future warranty. I would ask anybody who has this product and uh, not having a problem with their iPhone, maybe you should go into the Apple Store and have them take a look to see if your warranty is voided as well. This is something that, as an iPhone user, you should know. That Absolutely. If this product that you put on there has now invalidated your warranty. You should know about it. And, uh, and so, class action. I, I certainly did say to Zag that you know <laughs> I felt the instruction should be completely explicit about the risks of using the products and the, and you know the water in the in the port. So, but that uh, would and, hurt sales. Yeah, I think that the I think that's going to be a bigger thing that they may imagine. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So uh, this week we had the It's Only Rock and Roll event from Apple in California. Um, let's start at the beginning. Steve Jobs walks out, yeah, and yeah. that made all the news. All the news outlets were talking about Steve Jobs gave the keynote like it's some surprise. Uh, I won't say I'm surprised. I mean, the guy is the CEO of the company. Um, we've all agreed that it's probably in Apple's best interest that he doesn't give every single keynote, kind of distribute it around a little bit. But I didn't think that it was such big news that, you know, every everything I'm listening to is talking about Steve Jobs was on stage. He's the CEO of the company. He's been back to work yeah. for months now. Well, one and of the things I've been hearing is that, uh, you know, some of the pundits, especially those that, that aren't big Apple fans, are saying that, that Steve Jobs gave the keynote because they didn't have much to deliver. I, I, well, I don't think that. I mean, Phil Schiller was involved in the keynote. Je Jeff Robin was involved in the keynote. Um, they had developers involved in the keynote. I think this is going to be the style of these keynotes going forward where... Well, they should Apple, be. Uh, yeah, where Apple basically says the most appropriate person will deliver the parts of the presentation that fit. Yep. And if that's Steve to you know open and close the thing and bookend it that's fine and if it's phil or anybody else then that's who it's going to be if it's jonathan ive then that's who it's going to be you know they, to, i think they could do with getting away from this kind of cult of steve thing around these keynotes because it all it does is ramp up the speculation and then leads to geek disappointment and that's a bad thing you know i was listening to um i'm glad steve is doing better number one i'm happy for him of course but, you know, I was a little disappointed listening to uh, a couple podcasts the last couple days. And it's almost a running joke with some people now on some other podcasts. Uh, I was listening to um, This Week in Tech, where they were making basically joke after joke about his health. And I thought, you know what? That I, you're going to lose me as a listener. You keep that crap up. Yeah, I, I heard another podcast that made uh, a rather unfortunate joke about um, about colouring and, and, you know, the colour of the new iPods and, and Steve's colour and that sort of thing. And you know what? Making jokes about liver transplants is just never funny. No. Because and, and somebody... Someone died. Somebody died to give him that liver and he made he made that perfectly clear and made... And thanked you know, them. And thanked them and said how important organ donation is. And you know what? That's just not really something that's worth making jokes over. Really isn't. I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in, in some of these shows and, and blogs that are making comments like that. I mean, you know what? Let's leave those kind of personal things off the table. Let's talk about the products. Um, brand new iPod Nano. 
It has yep. a built-in video recorder, and Apple is positioning it as a competitor to the Flip. Now, I have two Flips. I have the original, and I have the Flip Micro HD. Is that what it is? I mean, Minnow, the Flip Minnow Mino HD. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I don't use either one anymore because I have an iPhone 3GS that's yeah. always with me, and that's what I do, uh, you know, my, my video in. Honestly, the... When it comes to pure video quality, the Minnow HD is much better quality than the iPhone video. Yeah. But it's another device that I have to take. And the kind of video that I'm recording with it is just fine on the iPhone. I, I don't need HD quality. That being well, You're said, not going to get that with the iPhone anyway. N- no. And you're not also going to get it with... The Nano. The Nano. Now, they, they say it's, it's HD, kind of, but it's really not. No, it's 640 by, uh, what, 480, I think? Yeah. Yeah, but... So but it's, the key, it's, stand, it's standard resolution. But the, the key thing with with this sort of uh, device is not the chip size, it's the lens optics and kind of how all that's configured. And ultimately, this video is coming through a tiny little pinhole on the back of the Nano. Absolutely. So it's, it's not going to be... Uh, you know, Fer- Federico Fellini type quality movies no. with this thing. But but I think what Apple do recognize is there is an advantage by if you have your iPod with you, then you have something you can take video on. And that is that is an extremely compelling sell. I, I'm in the same position as you, Tim. I have a, uh, a Flip Ultra that I absolutely love, but I it's often sat at my desk at home, whereas my iPhone is always with me. Yeah, and that's, that's so, you're just going to pull it out and use it. In fact, you know how you double-click the home button? For me, if yeah. I double click the home button, it brings up the camera app because yeah. that's that's I, that, that's what I want quick access to. The yeah. kids are doing something funny. Click click, it's up. I switch it to video and just start recording. I wish there was a way that it defaulted to the video rather than you know a picture, but yeah. it's you know maybe someday. But this is my problem with the new Nano. It doesn't take pictures. It only does video. And I read the explanation. The Steve Jobs gave David Pogue in the New York Times that it's different optics for video and pictures. And to get good picture quality, the device would have to be thicker. So they decided to give us video and make it very thin rather than a little bit thicker and gave us audio or give us video and a, a still picture. I would rather, if I was going to buy one of these, I would rather it be a little bit thicker and give me a camera because. Why not? It, it, well, it's mind-boggling to me. Maybe the oh, well, the, I mean, the, the technical explanation. I'm, I'm not qualified to comment on the accuracy. The optics of that, have to be thicker. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine. You know, it makes more sense to me that you would need a different type of chip to be able to do video and and stills as, as one that just does video because, um, you know. Video when when the the picture is moving, it's not it's not a set of stills moving at thirty frames per second. The chips work do work slightly differently, so um, you know, I it, I can understand that you would you would need a different type of chip, and that might be a design decision they made. Maybe it was a matter of cost. Maybe it would have been another five dollars if they'd have if they've had a a better chip in there. Who knows what what I think the thinking behind it is. What occurs to me is that. If you want to take still pictures, you probably do have another camera with you, which is on your cell phone. If you have a, a Nano with you, you probably don't have an iPhone, but you, you probably have another cell phone. And most cell phones nowadays have a camera of some sort on. Certainly when I'm taking pictures, still pictures with the 
with my iPhone, I like to be able to send them to somebody straight away, and that's not something you would be able to do with a Nano. Well, Whereas you movies, can upload it directly to YouTube with the Well, not the directly video. from the Nano. Not from a Nano, though, because it, it doesn't have any connectivity Correct. in it. Whereas, obviously, yeah. So whereas a, with a video, you don't tend to send those to people because of the size. So, to me, well, the selecting a video for the Nano rather than the stills makes a little bit more sense because that's not something you're going to want to immediately offload off the device. Yep. Now, they come in two flavors, 8 gig and 16 gig, uh, priced at 149 and 179 respectively. That's so a little uh, bit cheaper. They're a little cheaper than the, the Flip HD, too. Yeah, and I think well, and, a, and a lot a lot more built-in storage as well. I think uh, no, what is the same size? They're the the and actually, I think the uh, the new flips have thirty-two gigs because you could do full HD video over an hour. So, oh, I thought still, that that relied mostly on uh, SD memory. No, no, no SD memory no, the, in the flips at all. Oh, okay. So, I, the the Nano is a better deal price point, and it's not just a video recorder. It's also you know. Your iTunes music library, you can watch videos on it, movies, you know, all that stuff. So if I had to buy, if I didn't already have an iPhone, if I was looking at buying a flip, I think I wouldn't buy a flip now. I think I would buy this. I mean, it's my music, it's everything. If you look at if you look at uh, if you look at Apple's marketing strategy for the iPod overall iPod line, the Nano is their big seller. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, of the non-application devices, they're at a point now where it's so completely mature they can only make incremental upgrades. So they really are at the position where right. they can all they can do is cram extra features in. And it's not just the video on this. We've got a slightly bigger screen. It's a TFT screen. We've got um, a pedometer. We've got the, the, the Nike Sports integration. We've got the radio that's in there now. Um, so they really are piling the features on just to make it a better value proposition, keep it slightly ahead of the other competitors in the market. I would imagine with the next two years, we'll see the Nano disappear and be replaced with some other similar size but complete touchscreen type device, and then they'll they'll kind of be transitioning the whole the whole platform over to uh, what the iPhone iPod Touch um, I agree. derivatives are, because that's clearly where they see the future. Oh yeah, but they're not going to you know kill the pony quite yet. No, I, 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 I have. I agree. I think the oh. Nano is going to be around for for quite some time. I think the uh, that it, it's perfectly positioned to be, you know, pretty much what it is. You, you've got you've got a device. It, am I over? Am I uh, too loud? No, you're okay now. Okay, um, you, you've got a device where you can control, you know, what it is that's going to come out as compared to the shuffle where you really can't. Um, with with the new features with video, you know, it, it adds a little bit more functionality that, that even the the iPod Touch doesn't have because that still doesn't have a camera. Um, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting was the addition of an FM radio. Now, I've always kind of felt that, you know, all, all the other music players that had FM radio, that was one of the things that, you know, fanboys of of various devices used to say that, you know, oh, well, we, you know, we, we've got an FM radio and the iPod doesn't. It's like, well, big deal. I bought a music player so I can get away from FM. Um but in typical Apple fashion, they, they did something very interesting where they added the, the live pause feature where, yeah. you know, if, if for some reason, you know, somebody wants to talk to you or, or you just can't continue to listen to it for just that moment, you hit live pause, it stops it, and you come back to it up to 15 minutes later. It also makes the, uh, your headphones the FM antenna. 
Yeah. I think that's kind of yep. a clever idea. Um, yeah. And, and also, it also has um, iTunes integration into the radio. So you can be listening to a song and you can actually then tag, um, it. tag yeah. it and put it and, and pull it out of iTunes. Now, you know, put all of that together. And I think that's a fairly, that's a fairly clever, clever move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one before, before we, we get off of that, if your radio station that you listen to doesn't also transmit the, the song information, then that's not going to work. Absolutely. Yep. But most of them do now. Yeah. Most do. of them do now. Uh, the iPod Shuffle was updated in colors, and it's uh, two and four gigs for fifty nine or seventy nine bucks. Not much more to say, other than Apple is working with third party headphone makers to to get those controls built into third party. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that third parties have not been, you know, have not they've been a bit conservative about that, and obviously Apple's trying to kickstart that market because you do need those extra accessories to get the very best out of the shuffle. Uh, having said that, a, a lot of yeah. people are very a lot of people are very happy with the standard Apple headbuds, even if um, you know, they're not the best things in the world. You still see so many people using them. So. Yes, that's true, but you as far as third party is concerned with a device that's cheap that cheap and you're going to make headphones and I don't know I don't know how many are actually going to I'm sure there'll well, be two or three but I, I don't see a mass exodus of headphone makers starting to build iPod shuffle controls into their core but I, th- I think that's why uh, that's what I think that's why Apple are stepping into the game and actually producing their own adapters now that's what they're talking yeah. about doing yeah. and you've got to remember yeah, I, that I, those... think you, I think it is just an adapter yeah. you, you but, basically but... use whatever headphones you want with yeah, it yeah you're and... actually too loud guy yeah you know you're, it's you're weird I'm, loud. I'm I've got uh, I've got system preferences open and I keep turning it down and it creeps up yeah that's a Skype thing I'll send you a link how to fix that um, it, it kind of auto corrects which is very annoying I've had to turn it off um, but just going back to these um, to the to the shuffle headphones, you've got to remember those headphones will work with any of the iPods in uh, just true. the same way. And then the na- new Nano also has the same voiceover feature now. A lot of people so, were wondering if the Classic was going to be discontinued, and it wasn't. In fact, they got a storage bump. It's 160 gig now. Yeah. And uh, same price, 250 bucks. I'd really love to see the sales breakdown for those, though. And figure I think out. it's got to be going downhill <laughs> at this point, don't you think? Yeah, this the, to me the the classic has a kind of retro appeal. You know, remember? Do you remember a few weeks ago there was a, that big fuss because it looked like the original five gig iPod was for sale on the on the Apple yeah. Store, and a lot of people went to try and buy it. Um, I think the classic, you know, it really does have a uh, a kind of a place in people's hearts because it does remind them of their very first iPod. Well, and plus it just uh, it just offers you so much more storage than than any other device. That that Apple makes. Okay, next thing up is the iPod Touch price reduction. Eight gigabyte iPod Touch is now one ninety nine, down from the two twenty nine price range. So you're saving thirty bucks. This is the right price point for this device, guys. One ninety nine is much more of an impulse buy than two twenty nine. I don't know why, but it is. Just because yeah. it's under two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think this is just like they, when they when they did the iPhone 3G at ninety nine dollars. This is a very gutsy move. They're really saying, you know, we we want to move from being, uh, you know, a dominant brand in this marketplace to completely owning it. And they're looking at positioning this iPod as a gaming device. 
this is a this is a paradigm shift for Apple. We knew they were kind of going this way with the commercials, but for them to come out and say and compare it directly to the PSP and the DS, I mean, they're well, aiming right at that market. And the, it, the, the analysts say that they have them on the run. They you do. Know? Oh, even absolutely. even in, even Nintendo has acknowledged that that it's a threat that they didn't consider, and it's now a big threat. And, and I think Apple is saying, you know what? Uh, bring it on. We think we've got the right links in the uh, in the application space to actually completely dominate that. Well, it's I mean, not just that. It's distribution. I think distribution is the key. Um, yeah. You've got to have the good games, and all the big publishers are coming on, but you have to have the distribution that makes sense. And in this day and age of Internet connectivity everywhere, to have to go to Target or Best Buy or jump on Amazon to buy a game for your DS or your PSP is just doesn't make any sense. And now both of those companies, Sony and Nintendo, are trying to address this, but it looks like patched together hacks next to the simplicity of the app store. It, it, it's 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 light years ahead, and by the time they attempt to catch up, Apple will be on to something even better. And the problem that the uh, DS and the PSP face is that it's actually all about the software. Yes. And to get the software into the... Even with all the problems of application approval in the App Store and, you know, all of the issues that have that have occurred around that, for a development house to actually get their application selling to those, me, you know, many millions of units is child's play compared to going through the uh, application approval process that you do with Nintendo or Sony oh, to get it into their that, online and store. And that is six months to a year out. Exactly. I mean, and with, you know, with the iPod, you you design it, you release it to Apple, and within a week, it's uh, it's for sale. Well, usually. Yeah. Well, on average, they're saying it's about a week turnaround. So, you know, the, I guess the really weird thing is the, uh, the the differences between the way Sony and Nintendo market their products as compared to Apple. With with Apple, your your price going in is going to be a little bit higher, but your software is a little bit cheaper. Whereas with Nintendo and Sony, uh, the software or the hardware is relatively cheap, but the no, apps are it's so not. Expensive. No, the if you look at the price for the PSP and the DS, they're they're between one one twenty nine and one ninety nine. Okay, well that's that's one twenty nine, yeah. which is and a that, heck of a lot cheaper than even the 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 low end iPod Touch. Yes, that, P, that I, new I think, PSP is going to be a lot more expensive anyway. Yeah, it, it is the PSP to go or go. whatever the hell. Yeah, it is. PSP go. Yeah, yeah. It, they've already missed the boat on that. They've already missed the boat because they didn't address the big thing, the biggest shortcoming that everyone had with the PSP. And I'm a PSP owner. And that was, you only had one analog stick. Everybody wanted two. They wanted the same type of controls that you get when you play an actual PlayStation. Two thumbs controlling, you know, one's moving you left, the other one's making you look left or right. And Everybody wanted dual analog sticks. They didn't give it to us. Stupid. It's the the one thing that everybody wanted, and Sony's like, oh, well, we think this is better. Well, you know what? $250 $250 as well. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be $50 more. And with the iPhone, guess who decides what the control mechanisms are? It's not Apple. It's the game developers. Yes, yeah, developers. And <laughs> Apple's just going to, five years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to see 2009 is the year that Apple got serious about games and came in and kicked Sony's butt. I don't think that Nintendo has as much to worry about because they have a library of games that Apple can't match. And they have the same type of 
fanboys that Apple has. But Sony, on the other hand, has never really been successful with the handheld gaming market. Not really. And, the, and Apple's just going to take the number two spot in no time at all. So uh, they come in uh, all the way up to 64 gigabytes for 399 which is, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of games, guys. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's really practically the only thing I got right in my predictions for the for the for the announcement. The other big thing, of course, was iTunes. iTunes nine came out. Uh, it is based on WebKit. I know a lot of people are wondering about that. Uh, it is uh, it's still a carbon app. They're going to have a, a problem eventually moving that over to a sixty four bit app because they also have to support Windows. Yeah. But that being said. I, in some respects, I like the new layout of iTunes. In other respects, it kind of ticks me off because I'm a podcaster and it, it, going to the podcasting part of iTunes now, and it's so hard to find your way around. It's it's clunky, and maybe I just got to get used to it. I don't know. I, I think I think it's more the case of it's it's a very big change, and it's about getting getting used to it. Um, for me, I think iTunes was in desperate need of some up of some updates. Yes. And the, I think the way they've organised things now is um, much more sensible. I one of the re, one of the the things I think they've really addressed with this is for the non technical user. They've always had smart playlists, and smart playlists is a very powerful way of organising your music and using that to get it onto your iPod. But that's a really tech search is a really techy thing to get right to kind of craft a customised search to get just the kind of content you're looking for onto your iPod. The new layouts makes it very very simple. It's you know it lists all your content, it categorises your content, and then just says, do you want this type of content on there? Do you want this type of content on there? And if you want a subset of that, then it appears in the window. To me, it, it's going to be more intuitive to people who aren't maybe necessarily used to getting into that sort of detail with i with iTunes in the past and have just been dragging things back and forwards. Um, I think a really big feature is home sharing. Oh, yeah. Huge. This is about time. How many times have people, an iPod user, had multiple computers, they have a long drive to work, they get to work with their laptop, and they can't really plug in, they could charge the, the iPod, but they can't add new music to it, because you could only sync it with one computer. Well, now you can sync it with up to five. You can also drag and drop your music... On five different computers, so you can have the same music on all of your computers now. This is a big deal. I I don't know if a lot of attention really was given to this, but this is going to be a big deal moving forward. Well, I know that um, it, it, in my case, you know, both all both my uh, my wife and my two kids both have nanos, and because you know the the main iTunes library is down here on this computer, I had to go to the hassle of you know setting up separate playlists for their for their particular content because otherwise it would just try to load everything on it that I was putting on mine and you know they don't want to listen to the same stuff that 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 I do so but with but with the 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 uh the home share it's not really that big a deal anymore nope. you know I've I've set up I set up their computers and they can drag and drop whatever content they want to have on their iPod and it'll just do it right from their own computer. Uh, I haven't really looked at the Genius Mixes yet. I'm kind of looking forward to that. That's going to be something I'm going to play with over the next week or so. 
Oh, I've played with that a little bit. That is that's it's pretty cool. Is it? Yeah, basically, you know, all this all this information that they've been gathering over the last year or so using Genius, um, they've they've kind of put that into play. And what basically what it does is it looks at everything you have and says, okay, well, the people that like this kind of music that's in your library, you know, these are the similar types of songs. And it works. It works pretty well. I mean, I, I've done a couple of them, including one that was just comedy, and it knew not to put any songs in there. It just went to whatever you know, whatever stuff I had in uh, my library as comedy, and did a mix right there. The uh, genius on the iPhone is a very intriguing idea, and I think this is going to be a boon for users and developers alike. Uh, basically, what this is going to do is it's going to look at the apps that you have on your iPhone or iPod Touch. And it's going to make recommendations based on that. I like that a lot. If, if, for instance, if it's looking at your 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 games on your iPod or on your iPhone, and it sees you like tower defense games, it's going to recommend probably if you don't already have it the best tower defense games out there according to what other users are doing with theirs, what they own. Um, and I assume with the rating system as well. So I think that that could be a very powerful tool for developers. It's, it certainly is necessary because the problem with the App Store is it's so big now. There's so much stuff in there. 75,000 apps. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really unfeasible to, to try and comb through that and pick out the gems. The only thing I hope is that Apple's algorithms are sophisticated enough that no uh, you know CD porn developer can't game the system to try and get their lousy app to the top because we had a we had a little bit of that back in the beginning with the ratings if you remember yes we do uh, yep. and so i hope that apple has enough um you know kind of built-in smarts that system to deal with that now the last thing i want to talk about um proves that i'm a genius <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we we knew that tim i was talking about this over a year ago on this podcast and it's something that every iPhone and iPod Touch user needed and wanted, and we are just waiting for Apple to do it. And Apple finally did it. They must have listened to the podcast because they did it. They implemented it exactly the way I said to do it, which is taking control of your apps, what apps are on what screen. The way to do it before, of course, was to hold down yeah. the app and then drag it around. But you had to yeah, do it well, while everything iPhone. is jiggling. Yes. And you could never really get accurate where you're dropping it. And some things would slide one way and you wanted it to go. It was just a mess. That's not the case anymore, David. Nope. They've got a built-in interface to allow you to do all of that on your iTunes application on your Mac. Uh, and then apply it to your iPhone, which is, you know, it's, it's, it, brilliant. Is, it is brilliant. And, uh, yes, it, you, you know, you were one of the first people to mention this, Tim. And it, But it, it's kind of kind of pretty obvious really it's surprising they haven't done it before to be honest i yeah, wonder what i am surprised what the too delay was. i thought but, it was you know the, when i came up with the idea originally i hadn't heard anybody mention it but i thought that would be the easiest way to organize things why isn't it in there yeah. they're just waiting for uh to get to get the idea from me <laughs> i'm, not, I'm <laughs> taking all credit and not for pay for it that's right. yeah that's all right they had to let <laughs> enough time go past that you weren't going to sue them for the intellectual property <laughs> i've got it recorded it's on tape buddy <laughs> Now, but here's the thing, and I saw an interesting blog post by Don McAllister, our good friend over at Screencast Online uh, today. There, were, there was the usual 
grumbling after the keynote finished that oh well you know that wasn't where, where's the tablet it wasn't really it wasn't really big it wasn't impressive it wasn't worth Steve coming out for where was the proper one more thing and uh, what Don did is he said let's just imagine Apple sat in a meeting um, working through a list of features that they're going to do for this keynote and you know he basically painted a conversation and saying well let's do this and let's do that and let's do the other and you realize it's a really long list of all positive fundamental changes uh, i mean we haven't even really talked about the uh the itunes lp stuff the the, the new cover note type things that are in the music and the movies yeah uh, that are there as well so there's a whole pile of things they presented in this hour-long presentation as well as the developers who got up and showed off new applications and that sort of thing. And when you actually see it written down in Don's post, you'll see what a big, long list it is. And then he says at the end, oh, oh, by the way, let's just do this two weeks after we've launched our latest operating system upgrade and dealt with that all, all as well. And you realize, you know, Apple really is working very, very hard to deliver extra value to their users, bring them new products, and... Yes, they're not. You can't change the game every single time you you, you you do a keynote, but it's it's all it's all good improvements. It's all strong development, and it all makes look most of the other people in the tech industry look very slow and pedestrian by comparison. It's interesting. Um, I got to say though, when I I didn't follow it live, uh, I was busy all day, and so I got to read all of it all at once. And afterwards, I was like, meh. Okay. And that's pretty much because other than not having an actual camera in the Nano and it's just a video camera and organizing your apps in iTunes, which I thought was my favorite thing, um, everything else was known ahead of time. For a company notoriously famous for keeping a lid on secrets, it sure seems like the last couple of years, Apple's been one of the worst companies when it comes to keeping trade secrets. Everything that came out was already known. We knew iTunes 9 was coming out. We knew there yep. was going to be a new Nano. I mean, the album thing, I read that online already before. So yeah. the, there was really no surprises. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just... I don't know. Apple is supposedly so strict when it comes to leaks, and it seems like they're leaky as uh, the Titanic was. I mean, jeez. I, I, I'm not sure whether they are actually that leaky or whether that's a fake perception. When you've got so many people speculating about what they might do, obviously 90% of the things they do are the obvious things to do. And so when people are speculating like that, they're going to have a fairly high hit rate. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. The, I think the, the, yeah, the one thing I the one thing I would if I were them would shut down is these stupid case manufacturers who insist on putting <laughs> yeah. the cases up two weeks before the the, the event. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I'm sure Apple's not going to be very pleased with that. So no. with that, we're going to wrap up show two fifty seven. Uh, this is an extra long episode, almost an hour and a half. Uh, we do want to uh, thank you for listening to the whole show if you've got this far into it. Um, Let's see. What do we got coming up next week, guys? I'm uh, pulling up my calendar. And uh, we may be talking to Paul Kent from uh, Mac Expo. So we'll, we'll see. Excellent. And uh, we do have a listener invite coming up, Annette Benke. And remember, you still have one week to enter our contest. You remember what the contest was for, Guy? Yeah, it was uh, for the... Uh, uh, oh. ah! Bam. 
bamboo eco pad. That's yes. Right. Yep. You can uh, enter that contest. <laughs> it's the EcoFan Pro laptop stand from McAlley. You can enter it by sending an email to contest at mymac.com. Send in your name, address, and phone number in the body of the message. And uh, we're going to pick the winner one week from today, November 24th, 2009. And uh, I hope you guys win. We've got a lot of entries already, but hey, it's only an email. We can we can have more. So with that, yep. Guy, David, see you next week. See ya. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 